If you will, remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Turn me to Romans chapter 3. If you're using a pew Bible, you can find that on page 941. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 31. And as we've already heard through song, as well as uh, the testimony from Jane this morning, our text is basically talking about how we are justified by faith alone. Justified by faith alone. Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 21. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time, so that He might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No. By the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Please be seated. So last week we looked at the words that Paul is known for, extremely famous words in Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. These famous words spoken by the Apostle Paul to those in Rome, they were spoken after and only after he spent 64 verses getting his audience lost. That's when he spoke those words. First, Paul built up their understanding of Jew and Greek, that is, all of humanity, that you are all wicked in need of salvation. He built up their total depravity before a holy and righteous God. That man's condition, man's speech, and man's actions are sinful. Indeed, as Psalm 51.5 teaches us, all of us were conceived in sin. After Paul gets his audience lost, he then gives them the answer to their lostness. Paul delivers the bad news so that they will understand their great need for the good news. After all, if you believe you are good, Who cares about the good news of Jesus Christ? Who cares if Jesus came and died if I am a good person? Paul taught so that all would know that there is no one who is good. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks after God. All have turned aside. No one does good. Not even one. As Jane said so beautifully this morning, in her words, sin 
was my master. And now Jesus is my master. Paul got his audience lost. And he delivered the good news to them. And the good news is this. Before a holy and righteous God, there is one way in which humanity can be declared righteous. There is one way in which God's wrath is removed and we can be on good terms with God. This good news with Paul teaches here is known as the doctrine of justification by faith alone. We looked at this doctrine briefly last week, but this week we're going to just camp out and just spend all of our time soaking in this essential doctrine. We will focus upon Jesus Christ as the justifier of the one who has faith in him. Faith. Faith is believing that Jesus is who the Bible says that he is. This is often lost in our culture. Faith is believing that Jesus is who the Bible says that he is. It's believing in what the Bible says that he has done and what Jesus will do. And it is expecting him to fulfill it all. So it's having the knowledge of who Jesus is, the belief in who Jesus is, and the trust in who Jesus is. Because if you want to know who has the knowledge of who Jesus is, and if you want to know who believes that Jesus is who he says he is, you can also include Satan in those first two categories. But the enemy does not have faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone for their salvation. Look at Romans 3, verse 22. It says, The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. So, Paul has already informed us that one is justified by his grace as a gift through faith. In Ephesians 2, Paul said this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. So salvation is not deserved. It's not awarded. Salvation is not earned. Neither is salvation a choice of a spiritually dead person reaching out for God. For Paul clearly taught in Romans 3, for no one seeks for God. They may seek for the things that are from God, like peace, joy, happiness. But no one seeks after God. Salvation is a gift from God. Justification. Justification is a divine act whereby God makes humans who are more sinful and therefore worthy of condemnation acceptable before a God who is holy and righteous. James Montgomery Boyce put it this way, when God justifies, he is pronouncing them legally righteous, free from any liability to the broken law, because he himself and his son has borne the penalty of their law-breaking. We are justified by the blood of Christ. That's why we sing so much about the blood, because outside the blood of Jesus, you and I stand condemned, guilty, in need of salvation. So God counts someone righteous on the basis of faith, not because you and I are good, but because the individual has been clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ by faith. So how can God do this? 
How can a holy God justify sinners and remain holy and just? Two things. Jesus lived the perfect life of obedience, and he fulfilled the law for those who put their trust or faith in him. Jesus lived the perfect life of obedience and fulfilled the law for those who put their faith and trust in him. And number two, Jesus died to pay for the penalty of sin. Jesus died to pay for the penalty of sin. So God justifies by his grace. He does this, not us. And this justification is possible because of the redeeming work of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, on the cross. So Jesus, he satisfies God's wrath, paying for the sins of those who place their faith in him. It is justification by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So I know there's lots of words there. So children, let me explain to you this with a picture. Justification by faith is when God no longer looks at you and sees your sin. God looks at you and he sees that you are in good standing with God because he doesn't see you, he sees Jesus. That's the picture. For those who place their faith, their hope, their trust in Jesus Christ, God doesn't look at the individual and see us and our sin. He looks at us and he sees the righteousness of Jesus. And then for this to happen, one must have faith in Jesus alone. Paul worded it in his letter to the Romans later in Romans 8, verse 1. There is Therefore, now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So Jesus removes God's wrath. God's condemnation is taken away from those who believe. And therefore, God no longer sees them as an enemy, but as his child, because Jesus has washed away their sins. The enemy becomes family. The enemy becomes adopted by God. The doctrine of justification by faith alone, that is no small doctrine. People divide over this doctrine, and rightly so. We must divide over this doctrine. There are hills to die on theologically. There are hills not worth dying on theologically. But biblically speaking, the doctrine of justification by faith alone is a hill in in which biblical evangelical Christians will die on that hill. Look at it this way. If we don't die on that hill, what we are saying is, I'm going to march up that hill, and I'm going to say, it's Jesus alone for my salvation, but if somebody says Jesus plus something else, it is okay. No, it's not. We cannot let that hill fade. As a church, we are clear about what we believe concerning salvation. In the London Baptist Confession of 1689, they serve as our teaching distinctives. Listen to the words under the section called Saving Faith and Repentance to Life and Salvation. The grace of faith is the work of the Spirit of Christ in their hearts. It is normally brought into being by the ministry of the Word. Perfect example, again, going back to Jane. Why was Jane able to say what she said? Why was Jane able to get baptized this morning? Because the Word of God was taught 
And through the teaching of God's Word, Jane was saved. It is increased and strengthened by the ministry of the Word, by the administration of baptism and the Lord's Supper, prayer and other means appointed by God. Saving repentance is a gospel grace by which we are made aware of the many evils of our sin by the Holy Spirit. You see, what awakens a dead person? It's God. By faith in Christ, we humble ourselves over our sin with godly sorrow, hatred of it, and self-loathing. We pray for pardon and strength of grace and determine by the power supplied by the Spirit to walk before God and to please Him in all things. The doctrine of justification by faith alone is a hill in which this church must proudly stand upon, for it is our foundation. If we begin to walk off this hill We are walking off the foundation of Jesus Christ. And if we don't teach this doctrine and we teach something different, we have left biblical Christianity and embraced a false gospel. Not that there is another one, but it's false. Here are some words from individuals throughout history who have given wise counsel to the importance of justification. John Calvin, justification is the main hinge on which salvation turns. Martin Luther, when the article of justification has fallen, everything has fallen. I'll give you just a prime example. We now have churches in which you can walk into, have no questions that are asked, be baptized with no questions, and then we record those numbers and say, God is pleased with salvation. That's not justification by faith alone in Christ alone to the glory of God alone. Thomas Watson said justification is a very hinge and pillar of Christianity. Basically saying if we leave justification by faith alone, if we leave it alone and we abandon it, we walk away from it, you have left what is known as the pillar of Christianity. Thomas Kramer said, justification is a strong rock and foundation of Christian religion. So this is no small hill. For every path of Christianity, it comes from this peak. To believe God is to believe His Word. And if we are claiming to be His people, then we better stand upon His Word. Vody Bauckham said, I will not violate the teaching of the text in order to somehow sound more appropriate for the culture. Church family, many Christians, many churches, many teachers, many preachers have left the doctrine of justification by faith alone for a false doctrine that sounds more appropriate for the shifting tides of our present culture. Are you standing on this essential doctrine? If you do not believe in justification by faith alone, let me me be very clear. You are against Jesus Christ. You do not stand with Him. You are against Him. To believe and teach this doctrine is to grasp God's Word and to march forward in His name for His glory. Look at Romans 3, verse 25. It says, This was to show God's righteousness Because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So redemption is found in Jesus alone. And when Jesus died on the cross, he demonstrated or showed God's righteousness. So Jesus fully drank the cup of God's wrath, 
paying for the sins of those who place their trust in him. Then you get to verse 25. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. God's divine forbearance is his tolerance. His tolerance and restraint in allowing sinners to live. That's why you often hear people talk about the fact if you wake up this morning, it's by God's grace. God has given you the grace to wake up and to breathe and to live. So when the fall of Adam and Eve occurred in Genesis 3, God would have been completely just to destroy Adam and Eve. But instead, he tolerated them and gave them and all of humanity a promise of redemption. The fact that God passed over, God passed by, God overlooked sins previously committed for a period of time, withholding his judgment. How could a holy, righteous, just God do this? Because God was always looking forward to the cross of his Son where the full payment for the guilt of sin will be paid. When God made the promise in Genesis 3, verse 15, He was promising that His Son was going to come and make all things that had gone wrong right. God was looking to the cross where the Son would take the place for sinners. Verse 26, it was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So Jesus Christ, the Son of God, revealed the righteousness of God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this earth to die. Being fully man and fully God and without sin, His death was a substitute for sinners. Jesus was righteous or Jesus was just as well as the justifier of the one who has faith in him. So God fulfilled his promise of Genesis 3, verse 15. It has been fulfilled. The promise of prophets spoke about was fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus alone justifies sinners. So anyone outside of Jesus Christ is presently not justified. While those whose faith is in Jesus... They have had their sins washed away by His blood. Millions of souls now and billions of souls before us have not believed in Jesus alone for their salvation. It's been Jesus plus something. Where they say all roads lead to the same spot. Church family visitors, all roads do lead to the same spot. It's the judgment seat of God. They all lead there. And without repenting of your sins and putting your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone for salvation, you will not have justification before a holy God. The Lord has fulfilled His promises. There is only one way in which God accepts us. There is only one way in which God accepts us, sinful men, sinful women, sinful children, without violating his justice. And it's through the righteousness of Jesus Christ, trusting in Christ alone for justification before God. So children, is your hope in Jesus? Death comes to all, and when it comes to you, you will stand before God alone. He is a righteous judge, and he has told us his son alone justifies. Is your faith in Jesus? 
Paul has taught us three main things about justification so far. Number one, justification is possible by God's grace. Justification is possible by God's grace. Number two, justification is through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Justification is through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And then number three, justification is received by faith as a gift. Justification is received by faith as a gift. So let's review those really fast. Justification is possible by God's grace. Mankind does not deserve salvation. Let's agree with that. We can look over our own life just yesterday alone. If God is holy and God is just and God must punish sin, we know because God's law is in our hearts. Yesterday alone, you and I messed up. We don't deserve salvation. Salvation cannot be earned by us. Our good will never outweigh our bad. That's what Paul has been painting verse after verse. You'll never be good enough. I remember in college when I learned this to be true, when I finally heard it from someone's lips, I was standing, I was standing on a beach talking to a linebacker for, from Nebraska. And he came up to me because he heard me sharing the gospel and he said, oh, I teach the Bible to our football team, but I, don't, I haven't trusted in Jesus yet. I was like, well, that's interesting. And he, and he looked at me, and he said, yeah, I know you see me doing all these things that Christians probably wouldn't do, but, you know, I'm going to clean myself up one day and go to Jesus. And I said, you can't clean yourself up until you go to Jesus. You'll never do it. Justification is possible by God's grace. Salvation cannot be earned by us. And spiritually dead people, they do not seek after God. Salvation is only possible by His grace. Number two, justification is through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Meaning, our works cannot save us. There is a logical reason why God had to send His Son to this earth to die for sinners. Because there was no other way in which you and I could be appear before the Lord in good standing. Our works cannot save us. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, is the promise of Genesis 3.15. Fully man and fully God, Jesus laid down His spotless life on the cross for the elect, for those who believe in Him. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin, so that we might become the righteousness of of God. So God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus Christ, to drink the cup of his wrath. So Christ and Christ alone justifies us. Number three, justification is received by faith as a gift. And I know we reviewed this multiple times already, but a gift, when somebody gives you a gift, you do not deserve that gift. For example, today is my son's birthday. Many times when you have birthdays, you give a gift to them. Now, he didn't really deserve it because he's not the reason that he was born. But we celebrate the fact 
that God has brought him into this world. Just like gifts, when you receive gifts from somebody, maybe it's at Christmas time, you get something like, you don't deserve that. It's a gift that is freely given. Faith is a gift. We sing about this all the time. Come thou fount of every blessing, one of my favorites. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger imposed his precious blood. So it's not like I was seeking after God. I was dead, lost, an enemy of his, living in sin, living for sin. And what did he do? He sought me when I was a stranger, his enemy. He came into my life and he made me born again. He gave me the gift of faith so that I would believe upon him, repent of my sins, and trust in him. Faith is a gift. God gave Paul the faith to believe. Of all the people in the world that you think about, historically speaking, that's undeniable when you look at Paul. Paul is not a one-time event in which you think, wow, that's amazing. Paul is a picture of all of humanity. Paul was on his road to Damascus to go murder and kill and drag Christians off to to jail. And then all of a sudden, Jesus saved him. He rescued him. And for the rest of his days on this earth, he lived for Jesus. As Jesus said, I'm going to show Paul how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And Paul suffered. Faith is a gift. It's known as justification by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Look at Romans 3.27. Then what becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. That means your boasting is shut out. There is no boasting of us because God has done it all. What kind of law has done this? The Scripture says. Well, it's not a law of works. It's a law of faith. Meaning it's not the law. Hey, you're not saved because you did something. You're not saved because you woke up one day, you're like, you know what, today would be a great day for me to get saved. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to be good with God. That's not biblical salvation. It's a law of faith. God had grace on us if we were saved. God sent His only Son. God's only Son provided the way. His spotless life, His sacrifice, and His resurrection. God saves by giving us the faith to believe. God has done it all. We cannot boast that we have done anything. It's all of grace by the law of faith, not works. We hear so much about self-praise today, don't we? Look at what I've done. Look at my accomplishments. Just look at me. I mean, that, that's what our culture screams. It's all about me. So much flattery, so much pride, so much praise of what will not last because it's sin. We think too much about us and too much of us. We think about our personal happiness. We think 
about too much of what I think God should have done in my life, and we think too little of God and too little about God. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, and this church, it had problems. I mean, serious problems. Problems to the point of where Paul spoke to them in love as his Christian brother and said, I cannot believe that you are allowing things to happen in the body of Christ that not even pagans would allow. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. So in other words, without the preaching of the gospel, people will not be saved. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, because not everyone's called, to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. So, Paul is getting to the point of getting very, very detailed with a group of people that have strayed from biblical Christianity. He is writing to this church, and he says, hey, I want you to just pause for a moment, take a big time out, think about your own calling of God upon your own life for salvation. He says, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. We can just honestly Think just for a moment. Look about, look at look the 12. Think about the 12 for a moment. They weren't the best of the best, were they? I mean, the fact of God's grace and mercy and care for even Judas for so long still amazes me. But he called fishermen, tax collectors, people who didn't make it to the best of the best to keep going forward. Considering your calling, brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. Now we're starting to understand ourselves. Man, God chose me because I was foolish. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Every time I think about a human being boasting in the presence of God, I think about Jesus talking about the final judgment. It's like, imagine standing before God and telling God, look, look at everything I did for you, God. No, that means you don't probably know God. 
Because if you know God, you're not going to stand and say, look at everything that I did. You're going to stand before God and say, look at everything you did it all. And these words, these are precious words. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So it's written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. It's not because of us, it is all because of Him. That God saves the foolish, God saves the weak, God saves the low and the despised, God does it all. It is because of God that you are saved, if you are saved. Christ is wisdom, Christ is righteousness, Christ is sanctification, and Christ is redemption. So let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord alone. Because we have not kept the law of God. So the law cannot save us. Christ alone has kept the law, and Christ alone saves. Who is this good news for? Romans 3, verse 29. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is He not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. See, you need to understand this context and what was happening in history at this point in time as this was written, the Jews still considered themselves extremely special with all their advantages far above the Greeks, the Gentiles. To bring it to modern day, Many of us think if we grow up in the church, we are way better off and our advantages far outweigh everybody else. They are advantages, absolutely. If you sit in church and you hear the Word of God preached over and over and over, that's an advantage, but your advantage does not make you right before God. It cannot. Before salvation... Maybe you didn't have anything dramatic happen in your life, but maybe you were a drug addict. Maybe you were an alcoholic. Maybe you were a prostitute. Paul was a murderer. Grace is all of God. It is all of God. It is because of God that you are in Christ if you are in Christ. And the good news, God is God of both Jews and Gentiles. So God is God of all. There is no one at the reading of this letter in Paul's day or today who is exempt that God is God of all. Even if you don't believe in God today, your knee will bow one day. And your tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jew or Gentile, one is justified by grace through faith in Christ. And next week, we're going to see this clearly painted by Paul all throughout the Old Testament. Verse 31, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. These words in the Greek, they they jump off the page for us to just really understand. Well, does that mean we just get rid of the law? What Paul is trying to say is, no, 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 don't ever get rid of the law. You need the law of God. We don't throw away the law of God. Do we destroy or do away with the law because of faith? By no means. May it never be. The law of God was never meant to save us. 
The law of God was given so that we would shut our mouths, as we've already learned. It was given so that we would read it. I have lied. I have stolen. I have served other gods. I have idols in my life. There is no way in which I can keep the law. So I close my mouth because there is one who has kept the law, and his name is Jesus. He is the way, He is the truth, He is the life. The law of God was never meant to save us. The law of God was given so that we would shut our mouths so we would know that we have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. The law of God was given so that we would know that we need a Savior, a righteousness that is outside of us. So the gospel of God does not replace the law of God. The law of God was always pointing to the law of faith in Jesus Christ. If you'll turn with me and look at Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 17, let's look at the words of Jesus Christ himself as he is speaking to the gospel of God and the law of God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of God. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of God. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of God. So the law leads us to Jesus. And looking at Matthew 5, verse 20, if your righteousness is not in Christ who covers your sin, you will not enter the kingdom of God. You know, I always read this and I looked about, if, you're, if your righteousness never exceeds that of the scribes or the Pharisees, and I used to honestly think about so many other people when I read that. Man, those righteous, man, they, they, they would stand on corners to be seen by others. They would go on mission trips to be seen by others. They would pray to be seen by others. They would do things in the name of Jesus to be seen by others. I cannot believe people would think that righteousness is going to get them into heaven. Until, by God's grace, the Lord matured me and realized, I do so many things just like the Pharisees. I say things to be seen by others. I do things to be seen by others. I go and do this so that someone will give me praise. But when it comes to justification before God, please, please, please understand, because he's going to continue to unfold this and talk about how Christ alone saves, is that there is nothing that you have done or nothing that you could possibly do in which you will earn your way into heaven. It is impossible. If your righteousness is not that of Jesus Christ, whose righteousness clothes the sinner. It is a picture of His blood covering your sins. You will not enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Paul goes on to say more about this. If you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 8, we will close with these words from Romans 8. Romans 8, beginning in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. I mean, this is the picture, right? Our life is over. We're standing before the Lord. He's looking upon the sinner and he's judging. And there's no condemnation for us because Christ has done it all. All of our sins that we committed, past, present, everything that led up to our death, the sin that we just committed before we died, it's all been covered. It says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we need to know if we're in. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. I mean, that is how much we should be speaking about Christ. He has set us free from sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. The law cannot save. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. It had to be. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So you can't walk according to the Spirit with the law alone. You need Christ. For those who are living according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, they set their things on the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit, that is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. You see, the Spirit of God is only in those who are saved. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. You talk about the end game, that's the end game. You talk about coming to the day where like you, just, you go out to a cemetery and you look at the dash, that's what you're talking about. There's a final end date after that dash. This is what it is speaking to. It is talking about you will stand before the Lord. You will give an account for your life. Neither you had faith in Jesus or you did not. You had the Spirit of God or you did not. So the law of God, it leads us to Christ. But is your faith in Christ alone because only Christ justifies. Only faith in Jesus saves. You see, God must punish every sin. So are you clothed with the righteousness of Jesus? Church family, the doctrine of justification by faith is a doctrine that you need to talk about. 
You need to teach it to yourself over and over and over again. If you don't already read a book about the gospel every year, you need it. You need to teach the gospel of justification by faith in your homes. You need to teach it in this church. You need to talk of it when you meet visitors. You need to listen to the story that visitors share. You need to discuss this doctrine with all that you meet. Because this is what you find all the apostles doing and all the early churches doing. They talked and they talked and they talked and they talked about justification by faith alone. 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 is clear. For there is one God... And there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Only Jesus provides peace and salvation. In other words, if a person doesn't have a relationship with Christ, when you stand before God, there's no mediator. God looks at you and he says, go away. I do not know you. You have entered hell, where there will be wrath and fury, there will be the gnashing of teeth, that is your reward. Because there is one sin that is unforgivable. And that one sin is never trusting in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation. Never repenting of your sins and trusting in Christ alone for your salvation. And God cannot overlook that. You need to teach this doctrine in your homes. For we are justified by faith alone, but that faith, that faith is never alone. What do you mean by that? If God has given you the faith to believe, you will take the time to know his word. If God has given you the faith to believe, you will take the time to obey his word. If God has given you the faith to believe, your life will prove it because faith is never alone. You will be known as a child of God, not only by your words, but also by your life. We're justified by faith alone, but faith is never alone. His children serve him. They live righteous lives for his name and for his glory. So justification by faith in Christ alone, this is an eternal matter. Heaven and hell are both real, so therefore this doctrine needs to be made clear by us as Christians. So child or adult this morning, are you in good standing with God? If a tragedy were to happen today and you were to die, where would you go? Yes, we know that you're going before the Lord and he's going to judge you. But do you have saving faith? I encourage you, if you're concerned about your salvation and you don't know if you are saved, to talk with someone. But I would much rather you talk to the Lord. I would much rather you turn from your sins and trust in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation. Because that is your only justification before a holy God. The God who justifies is also the God who condemns. So therefore, go to Christ and find salvation. Father, we thank you for this morning.
Lord, we thank you for Jane and her testimony, for what you have done. We thank you for the beautiful picture of baptism, of her rising up from the water, fully covered in water, a picture of being fully covered in your blood, her sins removed as far as the east is from the west, and she can now stand before you holy and righteous. Thank you for that work that you have done in her life. Thank you also for the gift of the Lord's Supper in which we're about to partake. You have called us as Christians to be involved in, to proclaim your death until you return, because you are coming back. You're going to gather your children from all the four winds of the corners of the earth, and you're going to bring them to yourself. And those that are not, Lord, they're going to depart from us. Father, thank you for salvation. It is a complete gift. We do not deserve it. Lord, forgive us when we think too much about ourselves and too much of ourselves. Forgive us when we don't think enough about you. And we think so little of you. You have done it all. Lord, I pray we would live our life for you. That is the response as a Christian. To know you and to glorify you in this life. That this life that you have granted, the breath that we have now, it is not to be about us, it is to be about you. We are to boast in you and you alone. So Father, draw the lost to yourself. And for us who are saved, Lord, may we praise you and live for your name and for your glory. It's in Jesus Christ we pray all these things. Amen.